This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I've been talking about the foundations of faith for quite a while here. We're going to get into it tonight. Open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 3. I'm going to tell you, this, it's going to be really good tonight, okay? You say, well, why do you say that? How do you know that? I just sense the, the blessing of God on this, that anytime we get to preach the good news of the gospel, it helps us. So we're going to begin in 1 Thessalonians 3. To get there, though, 1 John 5, 4 says, The victory that overcomes the world is even our faith. The New Living says, We have achieved this victory through our faith. So if I ask you what faith was, faith would be an absolute confidence that God will do what he says he'll do. How many of you believe that? It's very easy for us to raise our hands, but a lot of times we'll throw words in there like if and but. But, 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 but. Or if, or again, one of the reasons we preach the word of God is where you begin to understand the character of God. That the promises of God, that God's going to, he's going to do those things. So he even said in the book of Hebrews 10, the just or the righteous ones will live by faith. Now again, to live by faith, he never did say it would be easy. He never did say that it would just be natural. It's going to happen. It's a natural. No, I'm going to have to get in the word. And when I get into the word, the word of God begins to put faith in me. So think about this sense in the area of faith. Every time I pray, I'm stepping out in faith. Just think about that. Why do I say that? Well, when you pray, do you see God face to face? No, I've never seen God face to face. But again, I believe in prayer. I believe every one of us in here believe in prayer. But Mark eleven twenty four says, Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So again, oftentimes where we mess up is we just pray and we have no thought about actually receiving. It's kind of like winning the lottery. Oh, I hope, I hope today's a lucky day. But he said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And so again, all that is highlighted around faith. So this is why Wednesday night's I I am loading you up with faith. And actually what I'm doing in my own life, I'm going back about 35 years ago when I was in Bible school. And I, I would get taught faith for five hours a day, Monday through Friday. And it was like a dump truck of faith. And they'd go in there and dump the word on you and you'd eat as much as you could. And so this is what I cut my teeth on. And I thank God. I thank God I was taught faith at a young age because, again, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please Him. So we've got to get over and learn about faith. That's why I'm so blessed that you're here tonight. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Now, if you'll look above that, in my Bible it says the concern for their faith. So we begin. Therefore, this was the Apostle Paul talking, He said, when we no longer could endure it, we could no longer stand the separation and the lack of communication, we thought it'd be good to be left in Athens alone. Now, what Paul's talking about, there was some believers in this church in Thessalonica. And he he couldn't stand being away from them and not knowing what was going on. So Paul says, I'm going to stay in Athens, and I'm going to send this this minister named Timothy to you. Verse 2. And so he sent Timothy, our brother, 
and minister of God and fellow labor in the gospel or the word of Christ. Now listen to what he says here. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So Timothy's primary concern here was to strengthen, to establish, and encourage them in their faith. Now, if it wasn't a big deal, why did Paul go to all this effort to send Timothy there? And note, this was his main concern. He said, I want to establish you. I want to strengthen you concerning your faith. Verse 3. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, these difficulties, these problems. For you yourself know that we are appointed to this. We are appointed to what? Well, he just warns me and you with a great warning that we're going to walk through some difficulties. We're going to walk through some problems. How many got some difficulties and problems tonight? How many in here are totally free from any problems and difficulties? You have absolutely zero. Raise your hand. That's what I thought. So we're all in the same arena here. We all got some problems and your difficulties. But he warns us, just as believers, we're not exempt. But he's getting ready to help us how to get through them. Verse 4. For in fact, we told you or we warned you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulations just as it happened and you know. So he's letting us know these problems, even for believers, they're unavoidable. You're going to go through stuff, and I'm going to go through stuff. So if we're going to go through stuff, the main question is going to look like this. What am I going to do when I go through stuff? Am I going to bellyache? Am I going to complain? I'm going to pull the covers over my head. Am I going to play dead? Or am I going to start trusting in God? Put a confidence in God. Verse 5. For this reason, when I no longer could endure it or bear it, I sent to know your faith. Now, isn't that interesting right there? I sent to find out about your faith. Paul's concern for those believers, he said, i got to know the temperature of your faith. The New Living says... Whether your faith was still strong. The Amplified says he was concerned about the endurance of your faith. Hmm. So he goes on to say. Least by some means that the tempter, the devil, had tempted you. He had gotten the best of you. And our labor might be in vain or our labor might be useless or fruitless. And so when he talks about with the tempter here. Understand, the devil will come at us any way he can. You know what he tries to do? He's going to try to get us off track. He's going to throw a a speed bump in your lane of traffic of life. He's going to do anything he can to try to sever your faith connection. This is what this is talking about. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith, of your steadfast faith and your love, That you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also want to see you face to face. Therefore, brethren, fellow believers, fellow Christians, in all our afflictions and all our distress, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. 
Now, it's interesting, he looks and said, man, I know you're going through some stuff. I know there's been some afflictions and there's been some problems. But he said, I'm comforted because I realize your faith. And you know what his faith was saying? You trust God. Your confidence is God. We see that. We hear that. We watch what you're doing. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. If we remain strong and remain firm in the Lord. So to truly live, I I keep holding on to God. No matter what you're doing, don't give up on God. Hold fast to Him. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see you face to face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now, if we went back, and I didn't count, it'd be very interesting how many times in verse 1 through 10, he mentioned things that had to do with their faith. So uh, the Apostle Paul was concerned about one thing, the level of those people's faith. So you know what he said? That's the reason I sent Timothy, to check up, to do an inspection of your faith, but also to encourage you. And so what he's talking about here, sometimes in our lives, there's gaps in our faith. Sometimes in our life that, that we haven't been completed or matured in our faith. So again, the topic here was faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. Now, why was the emphasis on faith so much? Because many times in our life when we become discouraged, it severs our faith connection. When discouragement starts coming in because of this life. And so remember this. Anytime I start trying to be discouraged in an area of my life, whatever that area is, try to find scripture that applies to what you're going through and start upping your doses of the Word of God. How many of you ever take vitamins and at times you really up the doses of vitamins you take? And you start popping vitamins in you. Well, look at the Word of God as the gospel. Okay? It's a gospel. It'll set you free. It'll give you something to live by. Now, what I'm going to do the rest of the evening, and this is why I'm so excited about this. Throughout the New Testament, we were taught to, to, to preach the Word, to tell people the truth, to get faith in them. And to help people build up their faith. So if we were to go and look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. Those are called the synoptic Gospels because uh, they have the very similar stories about Jesus. But there's always a little difference between the way Matthew wrote, Mark wrote, Luke wrote, and John wrote. But when I begin to look at those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, never one time in those did I ever hear Jesus marvel or was astounded or amazed at people's talents. He didn't look at people and say, man, that guy is brilliant. His education is incredible. His looks, GQ, not DQ, okay? GQ. 
Never one time did I hear him marvel about people's righteousness. He never looked at Luke. And if you don't understand Luke, Luke was a physician. He didn't say that Luke is the sharpest tool in the shed. He didn't look at Peter. And many of you know that Peter was a fisherman. That was his business. He didn't say Peter was brilliant in the area of business. The only thing I can find in those four Gospels, the synoptics again, is Jesus marveled at people's faith or their lack of faith. Now, I want to take you on a little journey here. We're going to start in the book of Matthew, chapter 15. Go with me to Matthew 15. After Matthew, we're going to go to Mark 5. And so what we're going to begin to do is, is break down some of these. And I, I'm telling you, this will stir your faith up when you begin to read these. And so, again... Jesus said oftentimes, O ye a little faith. He said in Mark 4.40, how is it that you have no faith? Those were Jesus' act words. He would look at his disciples and say, O ye of little faith. Come on, boys, come on, get some faith. So we begin here in this passage, Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there, and he departed to a region of Tyre and Sidon. Now it's important that we understand this region Because this region of Tyre and Sidon was Gentile territory. It wasn't Jewish, it was Gentiles. Okay, So we keep reading. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region, and she cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now this is a real encounter Jesus had with this Canaanite woman. So when I read here that she was severely demon-possessed, can you imagine what this mama had begun to see her daughter do? How many of you have ever seen someone that's full of the devil? It's not a pleasant sight. So this is what this mama's plea was. But he answered her not a word. Jesus did not reply at all to this mother. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. You know what the disciples are saying? Get her out of here. She bothers us with her begging. Wow. The disciples were really tender-hearted, weren't they? But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So what was that talking about? He says here, I was sent to the Jews. I was sent to give the Jews the first opportunity to receive me. Now, understand this. Oftentimes, when I read this, I thought, dang, Jesus was rugged on this woman. He rejected her. He did reject her. Okay? That wasn't what he was doing. So we keep reading. Then she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, what a cry. This Canaanite woman said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread, the Jews' bread, and throw it to the little dogs. So did Jesus just call this woman a dog? Actually, the word dog was a metaphor that they would use to describe Gentiles. We see it over and over. There's many references to it. 
Now, keep reading before you think he was dogging her because he wasn't. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs, the little, little, little bitty Gentiles, the one that a lot of people don't even notice, they eat crumbs which fall from the master's table. So you know what she just said? You're the master, and I don't care how you view me. You can view me as a little dog, whatever. As long as I have my prayer answered, I'm good with you. Now, this is a very interesting point that I came across here today. On that passage, on three occasions in that passage, she references Jesus as Lord. And ultimately, you know what happens here? Jesus had given the the Jews first opportunity of the things of God, and they didn't want it. So you know what Jesus did? He began to heal the, the Gentiles. He began to deliver the Gentiles. Man, that's good news for us. That's what he still does. So he ends this, and he says, Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, watch this. Great is your faith. Let it be to you... As you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. So you know what I see with this woman? She's got bulldog faith. She grabs onto Jesus and it's like, you're not getting out of here till my daughter's healed. Till my daughter's set free. She leached onto him. And so again, it puts faith in me. But again, the target here was great faith. So I go back and I look, what was the... the The symptoms or the blessings of her great faith. She knew Jesus was the healer. She knew he was the deliverer. She referenced him as master and she said, Lord, Lord, help me. There's been times in my life where I I think many times when we go to God to pray, we think we got to have this incredible prayer. Our Father, our voices change and everything. Instead of just going before God and saying, Father God, help me. Help me. Again, I believe that's his heart's desire. A couple pages to the right, Mark chapter 5. We're going to Mark 5. And then we're going to Mark 6. I'm looking at my clock. Mark 5. Woo, this, this is a good one here. Verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. It's a long time. And she had suffered many things from many physicians, yet she spent all that she had and was no better that grew worse. So she's going to the doctor. The doctor's like, we don't have no cure. Now she's put all her hope in the doctor, and the doctor made her broke. She didn't have nothing. But when she heard about Jesus, one translation says, when she heard about the reports about Jesus, She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, you know what I believe she heard? She said, you get around this guy named Jesus and you touch him, stuff happens. For she said, for she said, it's important we read that. For she said, if only I may touch the clothes of his garment, I shall be made well. Now, if you listen to what she said. Now we go back to where we were with the Canaanite woman a minute ago. And Jesus said, as you have desired it. Oftentimes he would say, as you have believed it. Well in this situation right here, she spoke it exactly as she wanted it to happen. What are you saying out of your mouth right now? 
So she said, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in the body that she was healed of the affliction. She had had this for 12 years. I guess she knew something had just taken place. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you. You say, who touched me? Picture this. Multitudes of him thronging him, touching him. Hands all over him. And they said, you have all these people touching you, but you say, who touched me? Why did Jesus say that? I believe this woman's faith put a demand on him. How do I know that? Keep reading. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what happened to her, came and fell down before him, told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. I want you to get that. Not one reference of Jesus didn't say, Hey girl, you're healed because of my faith. No, 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 no. Your faith has made you well. You tapped into something that the rest of them didn't tap into. And he specifically said, daughter, your faith. Now, Mark 6. Begin with me in verse 1. Then Jesus went out from there and he came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. He was in the church preaching the word of God. And many hearing him, They were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this in which he's given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are they not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. You know why they were offended at him? Because they got so familiar and they looked and said, how can he be doing those things? I went to school with him. He built my mama a table and chairs. My sisters had six period PE with him. And so again, because they got around him in that sense, they couldn't receive from him. So we keep reading. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now watch this. Now, he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Highlight in your Bible, he could not. Because it doesn't say he would not. It said he could not. So that tells me right there, something was hindering Jesus to do the very things that he wanted to do. Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their lack of faith. I'm trying to look at some of these different translations. The New Living says because of their unbelief. They wouldn't believe. So we see right there when people have a lack of faith. And quit trusting in Jesus to do what he says he'll do. It shuts him down from doing what he wants to do. So what often happens people begin to twist the theology and stuff like this, and they'll say stuff like this. Well, the reason he didn't do it, it wasn't his will. 
You want me to prove that's different right here? Go back to verse 5. Now, he could do no mighty work there except, except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and he healed them. So if it wasn't his will to heal any of them, why a few of them got healed? See, again, that breaks that up real quick. The bottom line is right here that that passage gave no indication that it wasn't his will. Jesus was limited by their lack of faith. And that's the same for me and you. Oftentimes we have the thought, well, uh, if God wants to heal me, God's just going to do that. If God wants to do this for me, he's just going to do that. He's on his own. Well, think about this in that sense. Uh, Is God's desire to save every person? Yeah, his desire is to save every person. But will every person be saved? No. Why not? God wants them all to be saved. Because again, God gives every one of us a will. And you know what God said? In order for you to go to heaven, you have to make the choice of your own to say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. So again, God tells us his will in his word. Oh, Lord, help me up. We've got to move. Go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter I'm going to tell you, this stuff is going to help us. And I said it helps us. This stuff stirs me up. It stirs me up in my faith. Woo, just to help me. Say, Lord, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. Luke 7, verse 1. Let me get here where I can see. Now, when he had concluded all the saints in the hearing of people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, now guess what? This centurion wasn't a, a, a Jew. He's a Gentile. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal the servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one whom he should do this was deserving. Why? For he loves our nation, he loves the Jew, and he's built us a synagogue at his own expense. Then Jesus went with him, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord... Do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. All you got to do. You know what this guy just said? Jesus, there's power in your words. He said, all you got to do is speak the word. Now, you know what this tells me? This guy's in faith is incredible. He said, you don't even have to come to my house. Just stop where you're at. And just say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does that. So this man right here, this centurion, was a military leader. He understood authority. And he said, when I give the order or the command for a soldier to come, he doesn't pick his nose and say, you know what, I'll get around doing what I want. No, he said, when I give the order to come, he comes and he's saying to Jesus again, I understand authority and all you got to do is give that command. Verse 9, oh, watch this. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, 
I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So what did he marvel about? The guy's faith. Now I got one more passage I'm going to take you to. Go back to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. You say, how do you come up with all that stuff? All I do is start cross-referencing on my Bible. I go to one and to another, and I just keep coming back and forth, and I begin to see, okay, many of these we read about, they were Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. I've been engrafted in because of the blood of Jesus. So what did they do to have Jesus' things, his operation, his promises move in his life? Every one of them, faith, faith. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I got to keep hearing the word of God. You got to keep hearing the word of God. Matthew 9 verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying out. Now these guys were loud. And saying, son of David, have mercy on him. Get get, get this, I'm telling you, they were yelling at the top. They're blind guys. Son of David, have mercy on us. They weren't quiet about it. And when he'd come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to him, he said, boys, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, now watch this. According to your faith, according to what you believe, Let it be to you. The New Living says, because of your faith, it will happen. So again, Jesus jumps back and he says, boys, I'm willing. And the good thing about Jesus, he's still willing because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the question isn't Jesus willing. The question is, what am I going to believe? And I'm going to trust him and I'm going to begin to listen to the word and say, okay, this is what he's going to do. I want to end with this tonight. Luke 17, 5, the disciples said to him, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus responded when they said, increase our faith. And he said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed. Jesus just likened faith to a mustard seed. How many of you have ever seen a mustard seed? I've seen mustard seed. When I was a little boy, my grandma had the biggest garden you've ever seen. We would plant mustard. I couldn't even see the seed. I mean, if it was in the palm of my hand, you could hardly see it. And I remember by the time the end of the summer, that thing had a shoot that went way up. But it didn't start that way. It started just a little, little bitty speck. And so even in that sense, I had to get that mustard seed in the ground for it to grow. And so Jesus said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed... You would say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted. What did Jesus just tell us? If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you would say. You would say. So again, part of beginning to get the word of God into motion in my life is I begin to say what the word of God says. So the way the word of God begins to operate, I get it in my heart. I plant it in my heart. And I begin to speak the word of God out of my mouth. And he said, whatever you say, begin to speak it. Begin to speak the word. Speak the word. So you go around. You start confessing the word. You start, when you start confessing the word, something's going to happen. 
And the more I confess the word, that little dude starts taking root. And all of a sudden, something on the inside starts happening on the outside. And oh, what a change we have. Every one of us. Oh, I've gone over. I've got to tell you one more thing before I let you go. We're gone into overtime tonight. How many watched the basketball game? You went to overtime last night, the Spurs and the Rockets. How many of you quit watching when it went to overtime? None of you did. We all left it on, so we're going to overtime. Just for a little bit. So again, I, I like to use myself as an illustration. I've had difficulties in areas of my life, uh, some strongholds and stuff. So, you know, the area of alcohol. I'm bound by alcohol. I'm tore up by alcohol. I'm dominated by alcohol. I'm getting my rear kicked by alcohol. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate what it's doing to me. Hey, what it's doing to my marriage. Hey, I hate every bit of it. But I can't whip it. I'm born again. I've gone through Bible school. And you said, how do you pull that off? That's another story, okay? That's, that's next week, maybe. But anyhow, I began to find out what the Word of God said. Colossians 1.13 said, He's delivered me out of the power of darkness. Not that He's going to. He's already done it. So here's the thought for you. What's the area of darkness in your life? Is there a hang-up in your life? You say, man, I just can't whip that thing. So alcohol was the hang-up in my life. So I begin to say, I thank you, Lord. You've delivered me from the power of alcohol. I'm just quoting the word. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you delivered me from the power of alcohol. It says in Colossians 1.13, he's delivered me out of the power of darkness. He's transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I just begin to believe it. Gave my heart to Jesus and began to speak this. Did you change overnight? No, I didn't. But I kept speaking the word. And you shall say unto whatever it is. I keep speaking, I keep speaking, I keep speaking. That word began to take root. Something began to happen. Did you get totally set? No, I didn't get totally set free immediately. I kept speaking the word, kept speaking the word, kept speaking the word, kept speaking the word, kept speaking the word. A couple years down the line, I, I, I've been 30-something years now without a drink. The goodness of God, I'm telling you, I looked at that right there. So you know what, I'm, I'm not saying look at me, I'm the man of the hour with power, of, I'm faith man. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, we've got to get, <laughs> that's a good one, faith man, hey. We've we got to get the word. Get the word. So there's area in my life right now, the Lord's saying, you've got to get the word. You got, and I've said, I'm digging, Lord. I'm getting back in the word. Stand up, okay? We're going to get you out of here. So again, man, let faith begin to rise. Get faith. And I'm telling these next few weeks, we're going to hit this, and we're going to hit this, and faith is going to begin to rise, and faith is going to begin to happen. And again, maybe we need to get Timothy in here and do some inspection on how our faith is. How's your faith doing? Stir us back up. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.